would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. Let's go, Buffalo! By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win it! This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. This place is pandemonium! Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Welcome back for another edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Fresh off a come-from-behind victory and into a Week 5 matchup with Pittsburgh are the Buffalo Bills. Let's start out with the Baltimore game. Was there ever a point in this one, Alex, that you just had given up hope? Or were you uh, nestled with the fact that you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago that they gave up a 21-point fourth-quarter lead to the Dolphins. Uh, you can actually see the exact time on my Twitter on my Twitter timeline that I momentarily gave up. Um, but I, I also will say that it was also most likely I, I would call that a you know like one of the you got to change it up. So I I I said you know what if McDermott's quitting on this game, so am I going to watch red zone um turned on red zone for half a second and then i turned the game on my phone and then turned it on the my second tv and it was just uh started watching it there and the luck started to change that's when they drove down so i was like you know what i'm i'm not i'm not going to change it so i watched the rest of the game on my phone and then about 45 seconds later on my tv um which I will give you at times really confused me because 45 seconds is apparently the amount of time that I forget things in. Um, so I'd be like watching on my phone. Okay. Plays over zone out for a second. Then look at the TV, be like, wait, there's another play. And I'll be like, wait, Nope. That's the play. I just saw. That's awesome. Well, I actually did not get to watch the game live. We, uh, we're driving back from a, uh, I had a radio radio reunion in Michigan. So, uh, we drove back Sunday and listened to the game. Uh, we got to Cleveland right about game time, so we were able to pick up uh, WGR 550 from there and uh, basically listen to it all the way in. And, uh, you know, broadcasting radio so much, I forget how nerve-wracking it is on the listener side of what's going to happen because you're relying on someone else to feed you what's going on. You can't see it. So, yeah, a little nerve-wracking in the car down the stretch, but... Uh, they held their own Jordan Poyer. How about him? I mean, he missed a week. He already has four picks through four games. Fantastic. What a game by him, Brad. You know, he really showed up and and sort of proved, like, hey, you know what? The Bills should probably just pay him. We'll have to see. Long, long season and, uh, yeah, some work to be done throughout the season and offseason here by Brandon Bean, of course, but... Very busy man assembling a roster here, especially when you do have to plan for injuries. And I think Jaquan Johnson has stepped up nicely at that free safety spot and relief for Micah Hyde right now. And, uh, you know, so far, uh, defense is holding it together. We'll see. More injuries continuing to pop up throughout the course of the week here. Uh, but there are folks practicing, and uh, we can get into specifics here coming up. But... I think ultimately uh, there's still uh, some time here before this one, as there was last week. Yes. 
there is a there's still uh we're still the walking wounded as it was as you would say it um you know the the bills are have a lot of starters currently dinged up or working on getting back to full health um and it'll be interesting to see how that affects the game this week i mean the steelers aren't a slouch organization but I, I still like our chances as one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. All right, so Tremaine Edmonds has not practiced uh, through two days this week. That's, uh, yeah, that's alarming. Gabe Davis, however, has been a full participant these last couple days. Uh, Jamison Crowder hasn't practiced. Christian Benford, we know. Um, let's see, is there anything else relevant here? Game was full participant. That's promising here. So McKenzie, good news. He was limited. I believe he's still in concussion protocol. Mitch Morris was a full participant today, as was uh, limited practice for Justin Murray Oliver, which is promising, and Jordan Phillips, which is promising as well. Poyer also did not practice today. So some alarming if Edmonds and Poyer don't play. They might just be really resting those guys up. Uh, Sound at the very uh, least that Jordan Poirier at least had some bruised ribs. So time to just nurse those very well could be uh, in this process here is giving these guys some rest along the way. Yeah, I agree, Brad. I, I agree, Brad. It's one of those things where, um, you know, you don't – it is a little – like I think the Tremaine Edmonds out of all of them might be the most – might be the most concerned – worthy because of what the Steelers want to do offensively. You know, with Kenny Pickett, they're going to they're gonna want him to be mobile. Um, and Edmonds played a big part in defending Lamar Jackson last week. And then um, with Jordan Boyer, you know, just having – the secondary looked different when he was a part of it. And so I think having him as part of that secondary is going to – it radically changes the complexion of this defense. Uh, so we'll see, Brad, but I fingers crossed both those guys come back. Sounds like weather's going to be nice for this one here. Uh, about, a, I think, a high 56 with uh, sunny skies. So sounds like a crisp October Sunday there up in uh, Orchard Park. So look forward to this one. And we'll talk about the Steeler game in detail uh, throughout coming up here on the podcast. A reminder that uh, go ahead and follow us across our social media platforms, of course, on Twitter at DHS Buffalo, at TW Callahan DHS, at Bills Bruiser. Also find us at Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House and DraftHouseSports.com. Coming up on our podcast tonight, we'll be talking with Alex Carroza. He uh, is from Steelers Depot as we cross enemy lines, and we'll look more towards this game with the Steelers. All right, back to the Baltimore game here. Offense really got it clicking right before halftime. Josh leads a touchdown drive where uh, I believe he went and ran it in himself. And then uh, later, you know, uh, the past Isaiah McKenzie, they have a field goal. 17 unanswered until Poyer gets the uh, interception. They drive down the, you know, field. They show the clock up. Very similar, and, you know, ironically, the biggest comeback they had since uh, was that New England game back in uh, 20, uh, 2011 with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, yep, 
pretty uh pretty fun finish. I I I had spoken with my dad during the game and he was fed up and he said, I'm so mad I'm gonna go play golf and I said, Alright, keep the faith. It's not over. And here we are, twenty three twenty Buffalo beats Baltimore. Yes. What else to say about this game, Alex? Uh I think it was the defense geez Louise did the defense look good. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I say that a lot. It's this defense really stepped up um, to the to the table, and I think they showed out admirably um, against one of the better offensive teams in the NFL up to that point. Yeah, it took a little bit. For the offense to get clicking, especially uh, turnovers in their own territory on the fumble and the interception uh, towards the start of the game. So uh, the defense didn't have a lot to work with, but all in all, they were very much, Alex, the glue in this one. They kept it together for the Bills and made it possible for this comeback to happen. 100%, Brad. It was a... um... It was a whole team effort, but without the defense being as strong as they were, getting just field goals, which was my concern from the beginning. McDermott sort of gets into these games, you like once in a while. It's it feels like when he gets against, um, you know, fellow high power coaches, he almost gets concerned that they won't get points. Um, so he's like, just take the field goal, and it's like a. In actuality, against a team like the Chiefs or uh, the Ravens or any of these high-powered offenses, that's not going to work. Going for the field goal, being conservative on like fourth and two isn't going to work. You have to just keep pressing for touchdowns. You have to control the clock. And I guess, yes, would prefer them stop them, of course. But it's just kind of inevitability that they are going to score on you. And just sticking with the field goal isn't... Um, a strategy going forward against high-powered offenses. Yeah. I mean, felt a little bit like the Bills of old who had to win these tight games, but you know what? That's fine. Um, heard so much about how the Bills, you know, have lost, you know, seven games in a row decided by seven points or less, and, you know, we get it. Um, but... You know, the the weather definitely played a factor in this one. It was super rainy, super slick out there. And uh, somehow they kept it together and they were able to get a win. I think a very important win after dropping the Miami game the week before. I, I completely agree, Brad. It's one of those things where um, it this the seasonal outcome feels completely different at 3-1 and one than it does at 2-2. Two and two. You know, 2-2, two and two, you're hitting the panic button. You're, you're genuinely concerned about if this is going to actually be something or if this is going to just fall apart. Um, so it's one of those things where getting that win against the Ravens really puts you in a driver's seat. Not only does it put you in the driver's seat for tiebreakers within the division, um, within the conference, but also puts it in where the fan base, not the team itself, but the fan base is feeling incredibly positive about this team now. Well, at this time, we're going to go ahead and get set and take a quick break. On the other side, we'll speak with Alex 
Kazora. He is from the Steelers Depot as we cross enemy lines and look into the Bills-Steelers game coming up. A Sunday 1 o'clock kickoff Eastern Standard Time from Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. Taking a break, this is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly... It's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. Welcome back to the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast, where we now welcome in our guest as we take our time to go ahead and cross enemy lines here into Steeler Country here, where Alex Kazora joins us from Steelers Depot. Alex, thanks for joining us here as we look forward to this Week 5 matchup. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. And uh, with the Steelers uh, coming up here, uh, we get to see the start of the Kenny Pickett era. Did you, as Steeler fans, see this coming so early in the season? We didn't fathom that by Week 5, when we played you guys, that we'd be seeing Mr. Pickett uh, under center. When you're scoring six points against the Jets in a game that was pretty important for Pittsburgh to win, obviously, ultimately, they did not. I think Tomlin was trying to do whatever he could to, to get a spark for the offense and try to get a victory, get this team back to 500. And Pickett did provide that spark, being at home, being in front of the home crowd that's loved him so much and has certainly been anxious to get Pickett into the lineup, brought some of that extra energy and the, the improved play of the Steelers offense certainly helped as well. So I'll be the first to admit I did not expect it to happen You know, at halftime. Did not expect it to occur uh, in week four, but here we are. Yes, indeed, here we are. And I got to ask you, I mean, did the Steelers fans already have the inkling just with the Trubisky signing and then drafting Pickett that merely that Trubisky was going to be a placeholder until they felt Pickett was ready to go? They did. It was really a matter of if, not a matter of, of, or a matter of when, I should say, instead of a matter of if, in terms of when Pickett would play at some point this year. My thought was a bit later in the season. The, the whole plan, the entire spring, while there was this quote-unquote quarterback battle this summer between Trubisky, Pickett, and Mason Rudolph, it was Trubisky running as a starter from wire to wire. Even back in the spring during OTAs, Mike Tomlin straight up told the team, Trubisky's our starter, and it was essentially his job to lose this summer, and he did nothing to lose it. But at this point, with the offense floundering, really inefficient on third down, and just simply not producing, that really you know compelled Tomlin to make that change. And you saw Pickett provide that spark, be better on possession downs, third, fourth down, and get this offense into the end zone. 
Alex Kazora, our guest here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. He is of Steelers Depot. Alex, where can uh, our uh, listeners find your podcast? Yeah, you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, whether that's on anywhere you check out podcasts you can hear the terrible podcast which goes on every monday wednesday friday also have a short terrible take every day around 5 30 p.m eastern time all right so we've talked a lot about the quarterback position already here but i want to talk about the ground game a little bit here Najee harris coming into week two or excuse me in the week five only at 202 yards on the year so far uh, I would think it'd be vital to get him running the football well in this game for the Steelers to have a good shot to come into New Era and pull what would be a potential upset. You would be right. Their intent is to have a better ground game. It's slowly but surely gotten better if you look at Najee Harris's yards per carry. I know that's a pretty basic, potentially antiquated stat, but if you look at that number week by week, it has improved every single week with over four yards per carry against the Jets, the offensive line, which was Still pretty young, pretty uh, new in terms of a new center, new right guard, a new offensive line coach, their third in three years. And so there's been some growing pains with that earlier in the summer, a bit in week one as well, but they've certainly improved and, and, and had some progress. Najee probably hasn't been quite as good as, as he would like to be. He was limited by a foot injury, a Liz Frank sprain back in the summer, the first day of training camp in pads. He hurt his foot and missed a lot of time. Came back week one, hurt something. I don't know if that was the same exact thing or something similar. And so he's been hampered a bit, but he looks overall healthy to me right now. But the offensive line trying to gel, trying to improve the run blocking. It is trending in the right direction, but probably still a ways to go. The backup is interesting, too. A rookie named Jalen Warren. He's run hard. He's competitive. He plays with great effort. His pass pro has been impressive for a rookie. Typically, rookie backs aren't that good in pass protection. So he's a guy seeing some extra play time to keep Harris's snap count down and be an asset to this team as well. Going to this game, injuries are definitely a big deal in this one. Uh, you know, uh, with the Bills, a banged-up secondary. Uh, Mike Hyde, the free safety, out for the year. Christian Benford, a promising rookie corner, out for several weeks here at this point. How about on the Steelers' side of the ball here? I know, I believe Minka Fitzpatrick sustained a little bit of an injury uh, last week in that loss to the Jets. I saw he did not practice today. What's his status uh, going into the game this week? Yeah, I'll say both our injury reports look like CBS receipts. I mean, they are pretty lengthy right now, bit, unfortunately. Yeah. For Minka, you know, Wednesday is typically a day where this team's going to be more cautious. The Steelers will be. So Thursday, Friday will give us a better indication. Fitzpatrick missed the play in that Jets game, did come back to finish things out. My guess, and it's just a guess right now here, still pretty early in the week, is that he will play. But certainly there's going to be a lot of question marks over the health and state of the Steelers' secondary. On Wednesday, the entire Steelers' start, starting secondary were limited or did not practice in some capacity. And uh, injuries last week certainly hurt them and was one key reason why the Jets had that great fourth-quarter comeback. So I think Minka will play. We'll have to check on the status of guys like Cam Sutton. Michaela Witherspoon probably will not play. Terrell Edmonds is starting strong safety. He's in concussion protocol. That's a coin flip if he'll get cleared in time uh, for the game on Sunday. So um, certainly there's going to be probably some mixing up and changes to be had in the Steelers secondary. Always one of the fun storylines of the NFL is uh, maybe reunions, if you will, here. Levi Wallace, who was our number two corner for several years here, uh, ends up signing with the Steelers in this offseason, I believe, on a two-year deal here. Um, has there been any talk or any storyline of Levi Wallace's return to uh, the place that took him as an undrafted 
uh, free agent and, you know, where he spent four years. A little bit. He talked to reporters earlier on Wednesday and was asked, do you have any sort of inside information you could be able to share to the Steelers uh, when it comes to the Bills? And he said, you know, potentially, but the Bills, they change things up so well. They're obviously well aware that Levi is a former Bills player, and so I'm sure the Bills will be able to, to hide and mask things like they always do a great job of. Um, Wallace could see a big role. Now, he's got a foot injury as well. He was limited Wednesday. My guess is that he'll play this weekend, and he'll probably be a starting corner opposite of Cam Sutton if he plays. He's dealing with a groin and a hamstring injury. He's been, uh, Wallace has been, been okay. Had a kind of a tough start to training camp, had an illness, missed some time. Um, he's not obviously a high-level, super athletic cover corner, but good against the run. A good, quote-unquote, number two corner overall, but certainly need him to play well when you're facing Stephon Diggs and if Gabe Davis plays. Those are two really potent receivers. Alex Kazora, our guest here, joining us here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. He's from Steelers Depot. Make sure you check them out all across wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so is there any panic right now from Steelers Nation? Uh, I know we've seen slow starts in the past, but Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record. Uh, you know, right now I believe he's tied with the longest-running tenure with uh, you know previous head coach Bill Cower here. But is there any panic right now that they're coming to Week 5 against you know a highly touted Bills team where they're 1-3? and three? Yeah, I don't know if panic's the right word. They're just the understanding about the daunting schedule that Pittsburgh faces. They're taking on, obviously, Buffalo at Buffalo in, in, in this Sunday's game. Then they're facing at home to Tampa Bay and then on the road against Miami and against Philadelphia before the bye weekend. So those are four games in which Pittsburgh will not be favored in their 14-point underdogs this weekend. That's the most points they've ever been an underdog for. And so there's a recognition that... You know, you were trying to get some wins earlier in the year against the Browns without Deshaun Watson, against the Jets, against the Patriots, quote-unquote, more more winnable-type games, and those did not happen. Now, Pittsburgh was 1-3 of three last year. They climbed themselves out of that hole, but Pittsburgh was really strong in one-possession games last year. The stat I've touted a lot over the last two years, 2020 and 2021, Pittsburgh's 15-4-1 and one in one-possession games. That was the best record in football. This year, they're 1-2 and two and really 1-3 and three if you discount the Browns end-of-game touchdown. And so they're not finishing games well. They're not closing games out, and that's a big problem for this team. So there may be an overall mindset adjustment. Typically, Pittsburgh's about competing for the North and playoffs, and I'm sure the players are still trying to achieve that goal. But for Pittsburgh, it may be more that transition year kind of comparable to what the Patriots went through in 2020, their first year without Tom Brady, where it was kind of a slow start. They began the year 2-5, and and they had to try to build things up towards the end of the season. So that's kind of where my mindset is at right now in terms of looking for guys who can be building blocks of the future, whether that's Kenny Pickett, Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens, the offensive line, whether you're talking Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson. So I think it's a it's a unique situation for Steelers fans to be in because they're not that hyper-competitive team that they were for so long. All right, Alex, final two questions. Uh, first, if the Steelers win this game, Why? Oh, man, that's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that out myself, to be honest with you, Brad. I'm trying to see what the path is. I think the first thing is you can't beat yourself. There's no margin for error when you're playing against a team as talented and as capable as the Buffalo Bills. So no penalties, no turnovers. You probably have to be at least plus two in the turnover battle. Certainly can't be even. Even plus one may not do it. You think about the the upset win last year. They had some big splash plays. They had a strip sack fumble on Josh Allen that took points off the board for Buffalo. They had that block punt in the fourth quarter that set up a touchdown so those were big weighty type plays that pittsburgh's going to have to make so i would just say win possession downs take care of the football be plus two in the turnover battle and again make that impact on special teams whether that's a block 
kick or punt again. A big return. Pittsburgh will have a new return man this week in Steven Sims to do kicks and punts. So I think they're going to have to get splash from some other source, whether that's a pick six or you know some sort of defensive touchdown or in special teams to beat the Bills. And if the Steelers were to lose this game, why? Simply the Bills are a better team. I mean, they have Josh Allen, they have Diggs. They're, they're a more, you know, I think, well, well-schemed team overall. They got a good pass rush. They got, you know, just, just more talents overall. As Pittsburgh's going through this transition to try to figure out who they are, what their identity is overall. They've not taken care of the football well enough. They've been penalized too much. They were penalized highly in the first half of the Jets game. Uh, defensively, the pass rush has been really struggling without T.J. Watt in there, and, and Cam Hayward's been quieter, so... Um, Pittsburgh's really just trying to battle injuries and, and find themselves. And that's a process, that's a transition, and it comes with a lot of growing pain. Well, Alex, I really appreciate you coming and joining our podcast here and talking Steelers with us. Looking forward to the game here. Hopefully it should be a fun Week 5 matchup. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Take care. And that was Alex Kazora. He is of the Steelers Depot. Glad he could join us here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast, talking more Bills Steelers on the other side of a quick break. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And welcome back to the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Brad the Brizzer Icorn, Alex Jones with you as we get set for Bills Steelers in this one. So we already talked about injuries in our first segment there, Alex. And yeah, very long injury list. Some promise, but some major notes of concern, i.e. Jordan Poyer and uh, Tremaine Edmonds. So... If either of those two can't play, that's definitely a bluff for this defense, but it's been a next-man-up mentality. This roster is structured and built that they can lean on their depth, and that's what makes this team dangerous as a whole. But eventually that depth can wear thin, so it'd be good to see some of these guys get healthy, and hopefully we'll see uh, uh, some familiar faces here on our own lineup in this game this weekend. Yeah, Brad, especially with... Both Edmonds and Poyer having all-world seasons so far. I mean, Edmonds has just been all over the place. Looked really good. Um, and same thing with Poyer. Poyer's just kind of over the place and been basically the Bills' best defensive player, not named Greg Rousseau or Vaughn Miller. Um, and so it, it is one of those things, if, if both of those guys are out, it is a legitimate blow to our defense. Offensively, um, if Isaiah McKenzie isn't going this one, uh, I think that's, I don't know if it's concerning, but 
it would definitely be disappointing to have him out in this one. But, um, you know, Khalil Shakur really stepped up uh, down the stretch of there. He had that really nice work. Josh, I don't know how he does it, but scrambled away from the sack, turns around and then just hits him on the sideline. And then that catch and run down the stretch. Shakir looked really nice in this football game. I think it's something that a lot of us have been waiting for. Yeah, Brad, having him get his shot was was something that was exciting to see. Uh, he's a exciting young rookie who looks like he's got a lot ahead of him. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if you get multiple if our call ups this week from the practice squad are two wide receivers. Um, it's just a position of need where the Bills are incredibly thin at the end of that game. It was just Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, and Khalil Shakir left available. And Gabe Davis looks hobbled with an ankle. He just straight up looks like he's hurt. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has clearly has some sort of nagging injury um, that's sticking with him. And so I think it's one of those things where the Bills need to be um, extra cautious and need to bring up some young players from the practice squad to fill in for the injured Bills who are uh, ailing. I mean, I, I don't think Isaiah McKenzie would be a huge hit without him. It changes up your kick return and your punt and uh, it, and your punt return because Jamison Crowder is now injured. So. It'll be interesting to see on special teams who fills in in those positions. Uh, also, wide receiver Jake Kumro still did not practice this week. And another concern here, Dawson Knox, our tight end, is, did not practice at all this week. So still more time to go, but right now still some concern across the injury report right now here for the Buffalo Bills. So they get set to take on the Steelers right back here at Highmark Stadium, a game uh, place they haven't played since they hosted Tennessee back on a Monday night in early September. So here we go here in week five, where it is now the Kenny Pickett era. We thought we'd see Bills 2021 back up. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky under center, but no in at halftime comes Pickett, who did throw, of course, three picks. But uh, ultimately, uh, they fall to the Jets, so in comes Pickett. He's getting the start this week, so... Um, I know you're, you won't be able to make this one, Alex, but I, I, I'm honored at least that I could see potentially the start of an era, and it could be also the start of absolutely nothing at the same time, but to see someone get their first career start uh, could be interesting. Yeah, it is, Brad. Actually, I got to say I witnessed Johnny Manziel's first in-game action um, at a Bills versus Browns game where Jerry Hughes scooped and scored a strip of uh, the Browns running back at the time took it down the right sideline and scored in the end zone that I was in. And that was uh, McNown. He was playing so poorly. They took him out and Bill's fans around me had sarcastically got the Browns fans to chant for Johnny Manziel. Um, and they started loudly, so loudly chanting for him that you could hear it on the broadcast. Um, and Johnny Manziel came in Bump the ball, Kyle Williams uh, knocked back the end zone. I think Marcel Darius fell on it for a touchdown. And then they decided not to count that. Uh, so it, it's it's always something to be able to recall that sort of history-making moment, getting to see it, whether they turn out good or 
whether they falter and really aren't are lost to history. It, it's just interesting to be able to be like, yeah, I was actually there for that. Exactly. Uh, right, so the Bills getting set to take on the Steelers, like we said. Uh, you know, a new quarterback here and picking a guy who's going to look to scramble here. And I think uh, in this one, they would probably really want to lean on Najee Harris, who, I mean, he I guess he's been okay. Only 200 yards through four games. But, um, you know, I, I would say at least they're leaning on him a lot more than we've leaned on our running backs, i.e. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss at this point here. But um, I, I, I definitely think that they're going to look to make Najee Harris an important factor in this one, and that's where uh, Tremaine Edmond comes in well in stopping the run game on top. 100%. I think that's going to be the biggest priority. I think you're going to see another healthy dose of Daquan Jones playing one tech. He had the highest total snap total for a defensive tackle since McTerm. McDermott's taken over with 70% of the snaps last week, and he looked fantastic. Um, so I, I think having another big showing from Daquan Jones in this revamped defensive line um, will really start to slow uh, Najee Harris in that Pittsburgh running attack down. Offensively, I'd like to see the Bills get back to what they did in the first couple of weeks and just throw the rock around there. Uh, they may be a little thin at wide receiver. I'm curious if Isaiah Hodgins is one of the folks that gets called up, uh, someone that came out of the same draft class as Gabe Davis and uh, who showed promise, I think, throughout preseason. Uh, but there was only so many roster spaces available. I, I that guy off the practice squad to be elevated this week. I could easily see that, Brad. He seems Isaiah Hodgins seems like a guy um, who could f- fill in um, in that slot role that both Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie play. Um, the only thing is, he doesn't play any he doesn't play any special teams, which is a bit concerning for because um, I that's what you have Kumro doing exactly, and Kumro has not been back since that injury. So, um, and it's a high ankle sprain. That's normally six to eight weeks. Um, it's a really, it's a real arduous um, return for injury. So, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what, like, who they bring up, who ends up playing where, um, because you're missing in Kumaro, one of your best special, one of your special teams aces, and um, be interesting how they play up the call-ups to the practice squad um, to deal with those injuries to see who, you know, because I could see them bring up something like Hodgins. I could also see them being like, you know what, this week we're going to go three tight ends and only four wide receivers and really change up where we're putting people. Use James, because James Cook, you can use him as a slot receiver as well. Put James Cook out there a little bit more, maybe give him a little more leeway um, and mix things up so maybe you can bring up somebody like Ingram, who can play special teams. Yep. And obviously, I I, I think it's needless to say here, but um, Josh Allen is someone that they will continue to rely on. Uh, I'm I'm curious, though, in this one, if they do start to go ahead and lean a little bit more on the running game, if we do see a little bit more of, uh, you know, handing the ball off to Devin Singletary, rotating in Zach Mox, 
uh, Zach Moss. Uh, you know, of course, James Cook, but in, involved running the ball and not just catching it as well here. Um, I, I, I think that's something that we'll see grow throughout the season, but I don't necessarily expect it in this one. If you've said before, Alex, I could care less if they run the ball or not as long as they win. Never run the ball again, that's what I say. Yeah, and, and, and Josh, all in all, has, has looked good. Now, was that interception, I couldn't quite tell, was that nearly, was that tipped as it, it was picked off? Uh, it was tipped at the line, actually, so it got uh, got off its path, but also was pretty close to the hands. It just is one of those that kind of, um, it just kind of fell perfectly into the defender's hands. All right, well, Josh, all in all, I mean, he bounced back nicely and uh, led some scoring drives, and they were able to get it done here, so they'll look to go ahead and do it again here at home. Then the following week, they're on the road at Kansas City before having a nice little bye week. And then back here at Highmark Stadium on October 30th, we'll now host the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. So without doubt, a lot of fun to come up here uh, throughout the month of October. All right, so again, Bills, Steelers coming up at 1 o'clock kickoff at Highmark Stadium. Reminder, if you will, follow us across our social media platforms on Twitter at Bills Bruiser at TW Callahan DHS at DHS Buffalo Drafthouse Sports.com, Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Drafthouse. All right, Alex, what are the keys to the game here for the Bills to come in and get a W over the Steelers here in week five? Go for the throw early. Um, the Bills offense needs to get aggressive early and often this is a real banged up secondary for pittsburgh uh, every single one of their starting secondary players appears on the injury report um and it it, it doesn't look good for the steelers you know uh the bills if they get aggressive early and often test them over the top i could see the bills easily getting some points early, um, you know, with the Steelers thinking, well, they're going to dink and dunk us to death, and all of a sudden there goes Stefan Diggs over the top. Um, so right now, uh, their starting corner, Akil Witherspoon, has not practiced. Um, the other, Cameron Sutton, is limited with a um, hint groin and hamstring injury. Levi Wallace is limited with a foot injury. Terrell Edmonds was limited with a concussion. Minka was limited with a knee injury. Um, and it's just going to be one of those things. Hams, uh, Witherspoon didn't practice any of the days. Everyone else has been limited. Um, both Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, so I think it's going to be – it's one of those signs where um, I think if they have it at – what it looks like they could be down two starting secondary players headed in this matchup. You've just got to attack them over the top and you've got to push the ball early and often to open up those underneath routes and basically don't let the Steelers um, ever get to where they want to be, which is blitzing the quarterback, causing havoc, that kind of thing. Now I expect them to go to digs early and often in this one here, but uh you know, with Gabe Davis uh, being full t- full participants in practice this week, that's promising because adding that extra spark there would be huge in this one. It really would. It would be it would be a game changer having both those guys um, 
having both those guys in the lineup and being able to uh, uh, really attack with your two-headed monster. Final thoughts going to this one, Alex? Uh, you know, Brad, I think uh, the Bills need to start changing up possibly some of the, the ways they run. Um, we've seen some wide zone to start out the year where it's really attacking the edges and trying to find those cutback lanes. Um, and I think the best play the Bills had on, on the run game was that pitch to Singletary, which uses um, pin and pull. And if anybody doesn't know what pin and pull is, essentially it's if you have someone directly over the top of you or down or to your down gap, basically inside you, you block them. If there's no one directly in front of you or directly inside of you, you pull out in front. It's one of the new, it's a newer philosophy along the offensive line that's really taken uh, quite a few offenses by storm. And um, it, I, it, the Bills have had a lot of success with it. And so I think if you want that offensive, you know, if you want the run game to be successful, let's start going to that more often. We have some athletic linemen who can move. Um, and I, I think the Bills could start leaning on that a little bit more and getting away from the zone a little bit more. That's been really more misses than hits. Well, we'll look forward to this one again coming up this weekend here from Highmark Stadium. It's the Buffalo Bills taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 1 o'clock kickoff televised on CBS. Tony Romo and Jim Nance will be in town for this one. Uh, fun for those of you who uh, aren't able to go ahead and uh, attend the game or wherever you may be watching. It should be a national broadcast this week. Yeah, Brad, it's really interesting the Bills got the top broadcast duo from cbs like i i'm genuinely interested that's a that's a choice i don't i didn't expect them to get this week but looking at the cbs slate there's not really a more top flight game you know there's not a high fly team that's on um the one o'clock or 4 30 slate there's only one game on cbs for the 4 30 slate and i believe it to be local only um so it is interesting that the Bills Steelers, which is sort of a lopsided matchup, I think the the line's pretty aggressive from Vegas. Um, it, yeah, fourteen. It, yeah, it's interesting that the you know you bring your top commentary team, but sort of shows how much CBS respects the Bills and Josh Allen, where you want Tony Romo on a Josh Allen game. You know, when the Bills were similar underdogs on the road at Minnesota, it was this announcing crew as well. Interesting. And that was a, no, that was a 425 game. It may have been, but it was still, uh, you know, same announcing crew there in Minnesota, right? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? All right, well, that's going to do it again for this edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. Of course, read our work at drafthousesports.com. Also, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House. And, of course, across Twitter here at TW Callahan DHS at Bills Bruiser at DHS Buffalo. For my co-host, Alex Jones, big thanks to Alex Co- um, 
Kazora there from Steelers Depot. Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast, an R Street Media production.